Ooh, Caritas. What is happening? <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Go Up Podcast Edition. Where we explore the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Love the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We are your hosts. I am Dean. And I'm Caritas. And Caritas, today we're going to talk about the mysteries of grace. Ooh, can we get a mystery on there? Absolutely. Yes. Why don't we do that? The mysteries of grace. Yeah. One of my favorite subjects. Can we fit it into one podcast episode? I guess we're going to find out. Okay. <laughs> this might go longer than we know. And Lord Jesus, help us. <laughs> yeah. So if you enjoy this podcast, if it's encouraging to you, consider hitting like and please subscribe and please hit the notification bell because it makes a huge difference hmm. to Google Analytics. Oh, We don't want to let Google Analytics down. We don't want to let them win. I'm just going to act like I know what that is. (laughs) Yes, Google Analytics. It makes it easier for people to find us. Okay, I see. The more likes that we get. Mm. Jesus starts spreading throughout the Googleverse. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Irrelevant to life, but anyhow. (laughs) So, Kratos, it's been a little while since we've seen each other. What is happening in the Townsend household. Hmm. Well, this is where the crickets chime as my brain is like, wait, what's happening? <laughs> a lot of joy, some school. You know how joyful school yeah. is. We talked about school. We went away, me and my daughter, to shoe shop a few weeks ago uh-huh. over Thanksgiving. And that was fun. And Nathan stayed home with Blake and they man bonded. Oh. <laughs> Got to kind of meet the community out there, which I hadn't mm-hmm. done before. So my parents, they basically live up in the shoe shop area for half the year. Mm-hmm. We've been going up since I was seven years old. Just never really knew the neighbors that well, but there's been some raging fires there right. over the summer mm-hmm. that were really devastating in the area, forest fires. Did any of the cabins burn down? Yeah, quite a few and some homes people live in long okay. full time. So they had this community kind of potluck barbecue block party mm-hmm. to thank the volunteers mm-hmm. and the firefighters and the people who stayed and helped fight and to kind of connect. Mm-hmm. So that was neat to meet people and they wanted to kind of make it more of a tradition because they realized the value in community through these right. fires. They really realized like the value in knowing your neighbor, mm-hmm. right? Like these houses that people were selflessly saving they didn't even know their neighbors and so they were kind of like we want to know each other so that was neat so let me tell you a fire story okay i grew up in a prairie town Mm. it was right across the railway tracks from a bunch of grain elevators Mm. okay okay while i lived there in that house it was age eight to twelve so i was there for about four years three grain elevators burned down across the track. Oh my goodness. The biggest fires I have ever seen in my life. It's crazy. So flammable. Those things are huge. Yeah. Nathan's worked at a few grain elevators down in Vancouver, like those massive ones. Yeah. The fire lessons they have to have before working in those areas because of it's so flammable. So now I remember clearly, you know, watching out of my little bedroom window, the guys building this grain elevator. Yeah. And it took them forever. It took them a whole year because they're massive. Yeah. Back then they were all built out of wood. Mm. They built this big elevator, just got it painted, Mm. middle of the summer, an electrical storm and lightning strikes the grain elevator, sets it on fire and the whole thing burned down. Oh my goodness. What a sight. It was right across the street from us and it was (sighs) so hot you couldn't even go outside. Uh, 
it would burn your face. Wow. We had to hose down our house with a garden hose. Oh my goodness, yeah. These big hunks of flaming wood were flying yeah. off into oh our yard goodness. and onto our house. And so there we were with a garden hose. <laughs> oh my goodness. Trying to keep our house from burning down. Yeah, it, fire is intense, man. When God talks about like the flame of fire and when you actually are around like not just mm -hmm. a campfire, but a massive fire, you're like, whoa. Like one of the neighbors that we met who was helping fight the fires, they were digging a trench with an excavator to try to prevent it from crossing even further and destroying right. more homes. And he said, suddenly they just heard this intense noise. It sounded like a jet airplane coming toward them or a freight train so loud. And then they realized it was the fire, the noise. They never known that fire would make that kind of noise. And he's like, we were all just like, well, this is it. We're dead. He's like, I'm not a religious man, but... In those moments, you're like, God, <laughs> right? it mm -hmm. stops as if it turned around and just started going the other way, the way uh, it came. Right. And they all just stood there like, God? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty intense. So I can only imagine one of these big grain elevators right across. So on three consecutive years. Is it the same grain, farmer's grain elevator too? Grain elevators are owned by companies. Oh, yeah. So the Pioneer burned down, the Alberta Wheat Pool burned down oh and I don't remember what the third one was. Three elevators burned down. Three, that's it. You've had your three. <laughs> so those are huge fires. And also another thing, we kind of got used to the sound of the train going by. Yeah, It would come a couple of times a day mm -hmm. in the morning. And then usually it would come in the middle of the night. Mm. You just got used to it. Yep. Just kind of a background noise that would Back, come. And background go, yeah. noise. Yep. But this one night, you know, we heard the train coming and you could always hear it cross the tracks where the road was, yeah. and then you you time it already mm -hmm. in your sleep because mm -hmm. it happened so many times. But then there was a big, massive sound, just crash, bang. Uh-oh. Uh we looked out the window, and the train had derailed. Oh. It was carrying grain. Grain. And there was grain all over the place. Fuel. Oh, my goodness. Tanks. Please tell me it did cars, not catch on fire. No fire with okay. that one, but it was so loud. Yikes. Yeah. It was very interesting living across yeah. the tracks from that. Yeah, no one tells you that how interesting the prairie life can be. The prairie <laughs> life can be very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it just gets a bad rep. <laughs> there were other things we used to do as well. <laughs> yeah. My friend and I used to take pennies and quarters and put them on the train tracks. Oh, yeah, yeah. When they moved the cars, they moved them very slowly back and forth mm -hmm. to fill each car with grain. Yeah. So we would put a penny underneath the wheel yeah. and they would drive over it and it would flatten it. Squisher. Yeah. Squish it flat. Did you ever try to spend it after? No. Your flat money? <laughs> I no. promise it's a quarter. I promise, yeah. <laughs> nope. No more quarter. Yeah, it's amazing how it's not worth 25 cents anymore when it's squished. But it's the same chunk of metal. The only thing is it's squished. But no one will take it. And you know, back then, quarters were actually made out of silver. Oh, yeah. I guess the silver would still be silver. Yeah, it would just be a little more complicated to actually get a piece of candy out of it somehow. There you go. You gotta like take it to... You might have to melt it down. <laughs> <laughs> that and a bunch of other things. Oh, yes. I've heard a few hilarious stories. Those yeah. will come out, folks. You just wait. I will bring them up, pull them out of Dean. <laughs> I had a little diary I used to keep because I loved the trains. Mm. And I used to count the number of cars in the trains and write down the number of cars. <laughs> That's hilarious. I would the date, and I would write the number of cars beside it. Every Your day. mom's like, either he's a genius or... <laughs> or, and that's what I was. 
Always on their trains. I know. Yeah. I would always wave to the conductor. Okay. We had a Japanese exchange student when I was in high school and you would have loved this guy. He was obsessed with trains too. This guy, they're used to their insane like bullet trains, right? But he'd come here and see just the CN rail trains and just be amazed. Maybe like, wow, so old fashioned. But we'd have to stop the car every time there was a train and he'd get out and he'd take his pictures. And he probably had a train diary too. I would not be surprised. The same conductors used to come down the track all the time so after a while you know you would wave at them and they would know you oh yeah but at that point in time every train used to have a caboose and there'd always be somebody in the caboose that you could wave at as well oh yeah do you ever throw gospel tracks out to the (laughs) good one no (laughs) whip it to the window here you go (laughs) jesus loves you (laughs) wow yeah you could still do that i suppose you could (laughs) oh yeah so Mysteries of Grace. Yeah. Shall we get right in? Dive in? We shall. It's going to be good. But where do you even begin? Where do you begin with the subject of grace? Grace. Well, how about what is grace? That's a good place. That's where we always start, isn't it? Yes. Did you look it up in the dictionary? (laughs) (laughs) In the dictionary? No, I did not look it up in the dictionary. Should I look it up? Yeah, why don't you? Okay. What is Merriam-Webster's definition of grace? There's going to be 10 definitions. You almost need a drum roll here. I can find you one. Okay, here we go. Unmerited divine assistance given to humans for their regeneration or sanctification. Okay. A virtue coming from God. A state of sanctification enjoyed through divine assistance. I feel like Merriam Webster understands grace more than most (laughs) Christians do, actually. And then, so that was their number one ABCs. Number two, approval or favor. Stayed in his good graces. Right. Right. A charming or attractive trait or characteristic. Right. Pleasing appearance or effect, like a charm. Does it say anything about being graceful? Um, As in like a dancer is graceful? Ease and suppleness of movement or bearing. That's good words. Suppleness. Suppleness. We should try to use that some more. We make up words, but we also appreciate good words we come across on this. So I do like the way that it defines grace. Mm-hmm. And then it also says favor. Yes. Because mm-hmm. in the New Testament, the word cheris, the Greek word cheris, mm. is the word that's translated grace. Mm. But sometimes it's also translated favor. As in the verse, Jesus grew in favor with God and man. That word favor is grace, cheris. I don't know why they call it grace sometimes mm. and favor sometimes. I say that grace is an empowerment from heaven. Mm-hmm. through the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I think we often interchange grace and mercy. and That's very true. Often, like, we call what's actually the mercy of God, God's grace. Well, yes. he has grace. It's actually his mercy you're referring to. Yes. Because grace is more, like you said, an empowerment to change. Right. I've noticed that as well, that a lot of people, when they talk about grace, the actual definition in their mind when they're talking about it, they seem to be talking about God's mercy. Mm -hmm. I I thought that for most of my life. You do something wrong and God's grace forgives you and cleanses you and brings you back. Yeah. Well, that's actually God's mercy that does that. Mm -hmm. God's grace is something completely different. Mm -hmm. That does not fit the definition of grace. Yeah, when you start actually like looking at the word grace in the word, that definition doesn't make sense. No. And you're like, these are two different words. Yep. I want to read a scripture verse. 
Is it in the New Testament or the Old? It's in the New <laughs> Testament, but the reason why I can't find it is because I've got a brand new Bible. Mm. I had someone once ask me in church. She leaned over. I didn't know who it was. The pastor said, if you go to Colossians 3, and she's like, was it first Colossians or second? Or you could also ask somebody <laughs> if they could please turn to the book of Hezekiah. Hezekiah. <laughs> <laughs> Hebrews 4, verse 16. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. And that's very interesting because grace is such a big deal in heaven that mm. God has actually named his throne the throne of grace. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Yeah. That we may obtain mercy. Whoa, as if it's a separate thing. <laughs> and find grace. Whoa. Okay. These little golden nuggets in here, you know, when you read through this book, it's like amazing how you can read Hebrews 4 and then years later, yep. something like that. You're like, how did I not see that? So right before it, he's talking about we have a high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses, and he was tempted in all things as we yet without sin. And then it says, therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy. So if we do sin, what we need is the mercy. Mm. But if we want to live above those weaknesses, we also need to find grace to help in time of need. So when we're in a place yeah. of weakness... That's when we need the grace, because the grace is the strength. It's the empowerment from heaven yeah, to help us live life in a completely different way. Yeah. That reminds me of one I had come across this week in Titus. Titus 2, verse 11. The grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope. And it goes on with even more glorious stuff. So grace teaches us how to live each day as we mm. turn our backs on ungodliness. That like stopped me. Like, mm. That's very interesting. I've never really seen that verse before. Yeah, is it worded the same in your Mine says, there? instructing us, it instructs us. Yeah. The grace appears bringing salvation to all men and instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires. So grace instructs us yeah. and teaches us. Yeah. Very interesting. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Grace and change, like the empowerment to change, they go hand in hand. They do. And I think the reason sometimes grace is misunderstood or people are afraid to go there is they've heard it taught or experienced it in a way that doesn't actually change. When there's no empowerment to change with it, they're confusing it with mercy. Yes, because people think that grace is a sin-covering agent. Mm. Grace is not a sin-covering yeah. agent. Once again, if you sin, you need mercy. You need to ask for forgiveness, and then his mercy covers you. But grace is the ability to live above the sin completely. Yeah, It's a completely different thing. It empowers you and teaches you. And in Philippians, he says, it is God who works in you both to will and do for his good pleasure. Mm -hmm. So grace in us, God in us, it's his grace that's working in us to will and do for his good pleasure. Not us trying to be good people, trying to keep the law, trying to be obedient. I'm going to be a good Christian and not mess up this week. It's God in us. How are you doing with that, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty fun. <laughs> It's a completely different way of seeing what Jesus did. So what would be your best definition of grace? I feel like grace is the empowerment to change. There you go. To put it just bluntly. Bam. <laughs> the empowerment to change, yes. I believe it's the empowerment to do a lot of things, actually. Yeah. 
if you take it into the area of, I want to be like Jesus, mm-hmm. which we actually are already, mm-hmm. but if you're wanting transformation in your life. Wait, I want to be like Jesus. Let's just become let's more just, aware of Jesus in, in us. us. And how. <laughs> yes. However, we are transformed from glory to glory and transformation in us is a work of grace. So grace can actually change you effortlessly. And that's the thing people don't like. They do not like- We want to work for it. I got to work for this. (laughs) We want to work for it. Exactly. It can't be that simple. Oh, we have so many things to talk about today, He said something about like the simplicity of the gospel. Like, don't forget the simplicity that is in Christ. Like there's this, do you know what one I'm talking about there? Don't know that one. And Are you making up your own scriptures? (laughs) No, it's in there. I remind myself of that one a lot. Like he says, it's this simplicity and we have a hard time with simplicity, especially the way we're trained in this world to earn and deserve and like everything from the moment we're little kids, you know, you got to earn it. You got to work for it and you'll deserve it if you work hard enough, and yep. you know? And so then suddenly here comes this glorious good news of wonderful, great joy that's like, just receive. Can't be that simple. I got to try. You're right. We are trained from a very young age to work hard for everything that we get. And that is because I think our world, which has fallen under a curse, a curse that Jesus removed, but nonetheless, our earth demands labor for everything that it gives up to us. After the fall, right? You will now work the ground and toil and sweat. So after the fall, the entire creation turned to self-protectionism, whereas before it would yield its fruit with very little labor, now it grows thorns and thistles so that it protects itself. Yeah, you trim a blueberry bush in the wrong time of year, you get no blueberries the next year. You're right. Too bad. You did it wrong. (laughs) Yeah. So the plant grows thorns so that the deer can't Mm. chomp on the plant and hurt it. Mm. So everything is protecting itself. The earth no longer gives up its fruit willingly. You have to work for it. You have to toil for it. Mm -hmm. So everything in our culture, it's ingrained in us from birth. Mm -hmm. That everything we get, we need to work for. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to say that we don't have to work. However, we are supposed to rest. Mm -hmm. And God ceased from his labors. Mm -hmm. And there is a rest for those who are in Christ. There's a way of doing life that's outside of that toil and that labor and that curse. Mm -hmm. Like there could very well sounds like be work in heaven, yes. but it's not the type of work we're used to here with that kind of negative exhaustion and mm-hmm. that's kind of, I have to do it. I just see it as this joyful experience. Like I yeah. get to do this. It's a joyful expression of life. Like those people, those rare people, 0.01% who or their job is like their hobby. They yeah. just love it. That's how we can all be. I think heaven will be like that. Like, wow, I get to do this. This is awesome. I believe that grace is the opposite of doing things on our own strength. So we have a choice. We can either do things on our own strength or we can do them with the empowerment of heaven upon us, the favor of God upon us, and that is grace. Oh, yeah. So that goes into so many different areas of life. Mm -hmm. That can go into the financial, that can go into our jobs, Ah. that can go into our interactions with people. Every place that we go, grace can go with us. It can be activated in the realm of healing of our bodies. And then, of course, there is the transformation. And that's a big area of grace as well. Grace actually makes our hearts come alive with union. And we end up in this place where, as we behold him, Mm -hmm. we're transformed from 
glory to glory, mm. and all we're doing is looking at Jesus. Yeah. It touches the area of repentance, mm. because repentance under grace is so different than repentance under the law. So I feel like grace actually is the opposite of law. You see a lot of scripture verses that kind of contrast those two systems, grace yeah. and law. We've been talking about John. We talk about John, the book of John a lot. All the time. Thumbs up. Okay, so in John 1, verse 17. I've got it right here. Okay, the law was given through Moses, Yep. but grace and truth came through Jesus. So there then I read the Passion Translation footnotes. Yeah. <laughs> so I got some good footnotes. I like those footnotes, yeah. So he talked about Moses as the lawgiver and Jesus as the grace giver. Mm-hmm. And he said, Moses' first miracle, he turned water into blood, resulting in death. Jesus' first miracle, he turned water into wine, resulting in life and celebration. Mm. So the lawgiver and the grace giver, just the result is even different. Romans 5.20, the law came in so that the transgression would increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So once again, contrasting law yes. and grace. Mm. Romans 6.14, for sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. So there's a few verses that talk about yeah. law contrasting to grace. So if grace is an empowerment from heaven to do things in heaven's strength and not on our own strength, then what would law be? Us, our strength, trying to keep these rules, I rules, guess. Keep yeah. us kind of in right standing, mess up because we're doing it in our own strength. Mere humans, repent, rinse, repeat. There you go. Rinse, repeat. <laughs> I mean, the truth is either we're under law or we're under grace. We have a choice. I mean, choose to stay which way, right? The thing about grace is that there's no way to do it halfway. Like you mix a little bit of law in with yeah, it. Yeah, then it's law. Then it's law. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So grace is very extreme. It's extreme. And Jesus brought an extreme word when he came. His teachings, you have heard it said that if you, you know, have an affair or whatever, that's adultery. But I say, if you even look at someone with lust in your eyes, you've already committed adultery. Like he brought this extreme shift. He did say, it's what comes out of the heart that defiles Mm. the person, right? Yeah, and that was extreme. Now you're like going next level on it. I think to that particular statement, (laughs) didn't Peter say, is there any hope for any of us to be saved then? (laughs) Hmm. And I know there's that one scripture I think of, I can do all things Christ who strengthens me. I think he had been talking about persecutions and all these other things. I can do all things. And I think about that with grace. You can do all things through Christ when his grace is in you, strengthening you, teaching you, empowering you. That verse is the essence of grace, isn't it? Yeah. It just defines so well what happens. Christ strengthens us. Mm -hmm. And through that strength, we can do all things. If we stay in Christ, we stay in grace. So create us. Guess where we're going to go today? Where are we going, Dean? Hope there's not too many detours. (laughs) It's happening. We're going back to Genesis. I just, I thought you were going to say John, because we spend a lot of time in there too. You know, the majority of our time on Let's Go Up is spent either in John or in Genesis. John would be sitting here like, well, you know, I am the one that Jesus loved. So I really feel like the contrast between grace and law started in the garden. It was a choice that we were given right from the beginning with the two trees. Mm -hmm. So either we can eat from the tree of life or we can eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil things, law. Mm -hmm. Because the knowledge of good and evil things, what is that? 
that is knowledge about good things. So you have a list of good things that you try to do. And it's a knowledge about evil things. So here's the evil things. Avoid that. Avoid that <laughs> and try to do this. Do this. And then when they crisscross or mix together, it's like guilt, shame, condemnation. <laughs> yeah. So right from the beginning, we were given a choice. Why did we want knowledge about good and evil things? Because we weren't comfortable with the idea of freedom. We wanted to have rules. Yeah. Plain and simple. Once you know about the bad things... Mm. Now you have to have law and rules to stay away from them. Yeah, and the human nature, outside of the divine nature, the Mia human nature thrives on that. Yes. You see that in children, children that come from homes with no boundaries and rules and expectations often are out of control and they go into the school and they get a teacher that sets up boundaries and expectations and they thrive with those rules mm -hmm. and the you know expectation of being obedient to this and not doing this. So the mere human does thrive with the rules and the boundaries. Yes. And that is what came from eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because mm -hmm. before that, Paul actually says, we didn't know how to covet because we didn't know what coveting was. Yeah. So we didn't have to have a rule or a law, mm -hmm. do not covet, which is one of the Ten Commandments. But once we learned, oh, there's such a thing as coveting, now all of a sudden we have to have a law to stop us from coveting. Mm -hmm. And then the more you look at that law to not do it, the more it's like on your mind. <laughs> and then the more you do it. <laughs> do it. Exactly. Why can't I stop thinking about this? So that's a thing. That's why law doesn't work. Because the more that you look at the law and the more that you try not to do those things, the more you're going to actually be doing them because you're feeding on that in your mind and you're mm. thinking about it and it draws you towards the very thing that you don't want to do. But the law of love, Dean, it's just so much better. That's right. So right from the beginning, I mean, we had freedom. Mm. We could have just eaten from the tree of life. We could have maintained innocence, had union with the Father directly, mm. but we couldn't handle that. We felt like God was holding out on us, and we had to have this knowledge of this stuff. And when we gained that knowledge, now a few hundred years later, we have to have a law mm. written by Moses in order to keep us from doing all the bad things that we learned about. So now we've got law Yeah. <laughs> when we could have had grace. And since that time, we as humans have been way more comfortable with rules and regulations than being responsible with freedom. Because mm. freedom without grace is chaos. That was a mic drop. Alrighty. Yep. <laughs> Smash. Bang. Mm -hmm. On the floor on the floor again because grace empowers freedom mm. grace makes freedom make sense mm. without grace like you said freedom is an occasion for the flesh mm. paul says be responsible with your freedom yeah if it's offending someone even though you're free to eat this or do that don't do it because mm. you're not acting in love then like it's that simple <laughs> so right from the beginning we chose law yeah and we've been stuck with it ever since there was a lot in that tree of knowledge of good and evil. We've talked about the knowledge part of it. And for that reason, we've been hopelessly addicted to knowledge. And along with the knowledge came the knowledge of the evil and of the good. And so we commend people that are good and we condemn people that are bad. And we make laws to govern the good and the evil. 
And that's the way that we do life on this planet. And that's the way we've done it from the start. And that's the reason why we've done it that way. We don't even realize that that's what we're doing. Without law in our society, we would have anarchy. It would be absolute craziness. Because apart from God, human beings are unable to handle any kind of freedom. And human nature takes over mm. and drives us towards the brink of extinction. It happened already once in the Bible in Genesis 6. Before it's over, it will almost happen again. So mm. it's our own choice. It's what we chose. Yeah. But we're in this position now because of Jesus where we can choose. Yes. Like all that stuff you were talking about that they had access to if they had just eaten from the tree of life. Mm -hmm. We have that option, that opportunity. We do have the option now. Until the cross, we didn't have the option. But Jesus made the option to eat from the tree of life possible again. And that's why. I love to call the cross the grace tree. Mm, I love that. It's the tree of life all over again. Mm -hmm. The original tree of life was the tree of grace, the grace tree. Yeah. And through the cross, yeah. we've been brought back into contact with the grace tree, mm. the tree of life. Oh, amazing. Life is grace. Grace is life. Yeah. Freedom. Wow. Transformation. Glory. Union, like true union mm -hmm. and intimacy. And through that intimacy and union comes an empowerment to live a lifestyle above sin. Take a verse like, be holy as I am holy mm -hmm. and not freak out at it. Yeah. Or be yeah. perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Well, yeah, we can do that because mm. we actually have an empowerment from heaven here. Yeah. An empowerment of grace that enables us to live life on a completely different level here. We just need to find it. Yeah, and receive it. And receive it. When he talks about this robe of righteousness, I think sometimes we think we have to like strive to put it on, like this is hard robe to get on, but it's almost just like letting him just drape it on you. In the parable, in the parable of the prodigal son. I like which, parable. Parable, <laughs> which we like to call the parable of the loving father. Yeah. We renamed it. <laughs> the father said to his slaves, quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him. Mm. He's not even putting it on himself. It's just been put on his back. Yeah, just like he got them just to rest it on. So the sun wasn't there trying to clean off first. And yeah. and I think that's a big key. We think we have to clean ourselves off first. We have to earn that robe. And maybe when we die, we'll suddenly magically be good enough because now we're dead and now we can wear it. But he's like, you can wear it now. You're going to wear a robe when you're dead? <laughs> I think that's kind of the focus a lot of the times because that's... It's the ultimate. <laughs> So I wrote this down. Somehow the ideas of laws, consequences for breaking those laws, the threat of punishment, mm. the control we inadvertently exert when we try to keep those laws by our own strength, because we're all about control, <laughs> and the satisfaction of self-blame and self-improvement programs to try to keep from breaking the laws overpowers the appeal of a lifestyle of freedom. Mm. Well, all those other ways, there's no freedom because... You're constantly under that program. Yes. Like you're never free. You're always identified as whatever you were trying to break free from. Mm -hmm. I'm just clean for a little while. But there's no actual freedom outside of grace. So they say once you're addicted to something, you'll never be unaddicted. Mm. You're only clean for a certain amount of time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're never actually free. But that's also in the worldly model. So that makes sense. Right. You know, if you're not born again, but in this model... <laughs> Mm -hmm. hence, hence having to have your mind renewed because it goes outside right. of what your mind is conditioned to think and taught to think. 
you had read Romans 5. I don't know if I'm skipping around, but I was just thinking. So I have it written here, the Romans 5 verse 20, where sin abounded, grace abounded much more, Mm -hmm. so that as sin reigned in death, even so, grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus. Grace, if I'm reading this correctly, comes when we receive it through the righteous identity that Jesus bought us. When we wear his righteousness by faith, grace has this target to hit. So grace might reign through righteousness. Mm -hmm. Listen to this. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions. So there we are. We're in sin. We need mercy. Mm. So his great mercy comes. Mm -hmm. Now he's made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. What does he do? Mm. He comes to us with mercy. Mm -hmm. And then he saves us by grace. When we receive Jesus as our Savior, the power of grace has a target. It hits us. It completely renovates our entire inner person. Mm, the inner, the innards. <laughs> <laughs> Makes us into a new creation so new that we're not even yeah. recognizable to anything in the spirit world that's looking mm-hmm. anyway. <laughs> no, no longer mere humans. And then it says he raises us up with him, seats us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And then it says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. So basically when we believe with faith, Faith activates grace. Yes. So in anything that we come across in life, a situation that we're going into, we need only approach that situation with faith. And then it activates the grace. And the grace is the empowerment of heaven that Mm -hmm. comes alongside of us through the power of the Holy Spirit and helps us do that thing in the strength of heaven. Yeah. Wow. We don't have to do it on our own strength, but grace is activated through faith. That's the way our initial salvation happened. And that's the way every subsequent thing that comes into our life in Christ comes into our life through the activation of grace by faith. Yes. First we hope and we believe Mm -hmm. and then faith comes and it empowers the power of grace and heaven comes alongside of us and we do it with the strength and the support and the favor of heaven. And that's living life in the power of grace. Almost too good to be true. But behold says the angel. I bring you, Mysterion, good news of great joy Mm. for all peoples, the Mysterion of grace. So you can arise and shine Mm. in a land of deep darkness without gritting your teeth and trying. So grace is not a free ticket to sin. It's an empowerment to live above sin. Yeah. If you do sin, you need mercy. Mm -hmm. But grace is a way to live above that whole thing. So I'm thinking of a verse, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. This is the part I love. For power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. So whatever condition of weakness you're in, the weaker you are, (laughs) the stronger God can be Mm. and the more his grace can come alongside. So weakness is not a problem. That's why I say grace eats weakness for breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. 
Grace feeds on weakness. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah, wow. When we have weakness in our life, we need only turn it over to the Lord and ask for his grace. And grace is like up to the task. Yeah. It's like, I'm there. I'm there. I'm yes. There. Yes. <laughs> Give me your weakness. Just, I dare you. Give me your weakness. Okay. <laughs> I dare you. I double dare you. Turn it over to me. Yes. Let me chomp it up. Let me eat it for breakfast. Nom, nom, I'm nom, so nom. there. <laughs> the power of grace comes in. God was not saying to Paul, oh, I'm patting you on the back here. I'm so sorry for you and your weakness. No, God was actually giving him the answer to his weakness. Mm. And Paul got so excited, he exalts and he rejoices in his weakness because then he gets to see the power of God mm. come in greatness. The more the weakness, the greater the power. Mm. Yeah, That's the power wow. of grace. It's like the dark and light. The darker the area is, the more vibrant and obvious the light is. That's right. Yeah, it's going to be obvious. <laughs> mm -hmm. Wow. So the more weakness, the more like... The more grace. <laughs> well, they do say breakfast is the most important meal of the day. That's very true. So we should start our day by coming before the throne of grace, because it's called the throne of grace. Mm -hmm. We obtain mercy and we find grace to help in time of need. Yeah. So the time of need, the time of weakness, begin your day by offering all your weakness to him and mm -hmm. asking for his grace to come and be sufficient for all of those things that you're weak in for that day. You know, all I'm hearing when you're talking is the jingle from that um, commercial you know, the best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup, right? But, you know, best part of waking up is God's grace in your cup. Okay. Yeah, that's all I was hearing over and over. <laughs> you know, when I was saying the simplicity in Christ? Yes. This Did is you find it. your verse? It's right before your verse that you were just reading. Second Corinthians chapter 11, not to be confused with Second Colossians. Okay. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter 11. Or the book of Hezekiah. Hezekiah. Verse 3. But I fear lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Simplicity. Yes. We were lost. He came. He died. He set us free. He put all that he is in us, gave us his kingdom. We're free. We're out mm -hmm. of darkness, into light, sanctified, that whole lost and found that... Yeah delivered that robe just placed on that simplicity yeah it's mm -hmm. very simple and you know paul spent the better part of his apostleship trying to impart to people what a lifestyle of grace might look like mm. the culture that they lived in it was wrapped around the mm. law of moses so tight that it was very difficult to break away it was from like it. the identity too of it the was people. their identity mm -hmm. yes paul spent a lot of time trying to encourage people to break free from that mm and encouraging them to pursue a lifestyle of grace. He would teach them, they would get it. Mm -hmm. And then somebody would come in and say, no, you can't do it that way. Yeah. Yeah. And then they would drag them back yeah. down again mm -hmm. and say, no, you have to be circumcised mm -hmm. or some crazy thing like that. And Paul kept saying, no, listen, that's not the way that freedom works. You were walking so well. Good? It is too good to be true. What is that Old Testament I'm going to do something in your day that you can't even imagine. Mm -hmm. Habakkuk. Really? For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. Wow. And that's what Jesus did. All about bringing uh, us back to the garden, reconnecting mm -hmm. us with the tree of life. 
So let's trust in him. Just trust him with our whole heart. Mm -hmm. This is as good as he says it is. I feel like we could spend so many more episodes talking about grace. And I'm sure we will. I'm sure we will. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) One of my favorite subjects. Oh my goodness. You know, I was rocked by grace years ago when I went to a conference. For the first time, I caught a glimpse of a lifestyle of grace. And it changed my life so drastically that I thought to myself, I could spend the rest of my life talking about this and (laughs) exploring the mysteries and the wonder of grace. There's just no way to describe the freedom we've been given. What Jesus did for us was over the top. It's that whole, once you've tasted it, once you've experienced the sweetness, the goodness, like you just can't unsee that and unexperience that. Like You're right. You can't unsee it. And it's really hard to explain, which is maybe we'll come across awkwardly in this podcast, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it's like one of those... Like you got to experience the grace of God. Believe that it actually is as good as we are saying it is. Mm, if you don't believe us, then believe him. Yeah, it's all in there. It's, it's all just, in there. Yeah. It's just we have to be careful how we hear. Like sometimes just asking God, I want to see your truth. Open my eyes. I want you to speak to me through this. I want to meet you in here. One thing you said a couple of weeks ago that keeps sticking in my head every time I go to sit down. Okay, Dean, be still until you know. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I can't forget that. Be still and know, but I don't that. know. Know what? Well, <laughs> be still until you know that. That's right. <laughs> okay, Cretus, this is where we're going to leave it today, believe it or not. We're going to have Good to come stuff. back to this. Good stuff. At some point. See if there's a, my Rolodex of grace. See, there's still so much goodness. I know. I have so many <laughs> scriptures here we could read. Yeah, we got to leave it. It's just, we got to put it down. We got to, yeah, just take your hands off. <laughs> Land the plane. Yeah. <laughs> running out of fuel. But we're not really running out of fuel. But no, we, just, we have no. plenty of fuel. Fuel is not the problem here. <laughs> How are we going to end this? Just goodbye. Goodbyes are hard. Yes, even they are. You're... Goodbyes are always hard. <laughs> but we are going to say, please go and check out our website at mm. letsgoup.us. And we hope you have an awesome week mm-hmm. filled with the grace and freedom and empowerment of heaven. Goodbye. See you next time. Bye.